0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona,
1: it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to Collaborative Connections, radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM. We are live in studio in Tempe, Arizona on Phoenix Business Radio X inside Mac 6. Some of us are coming in from other states and other parts of Arizona, so I can't wait to just jump right in. Before I do that, for new listeners, I always like to say... This show was created so that we can collaborate and do business with people we like. Uh, it's a better community, right? If we get to work with people we love, meet new people that you know have similar. Uh, likes and morals and all the things, right? So uh, I love connecting my clients with others in the community that are doing cool things. So I can't wait to introduce you to my three amazing guests today. I'll start with you, Madeline. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and uh, let maybe your story.
2: <laughs> Great. Uh, well, thank you, Kelly, so much for having me. And hi, everyone. I'm Madeline Frederick. Um, I am from Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. So I'm the one joining from out of state today. Um, I'm the executive director of strategic planning here at CHLA. I've been in Southern California, healthcare um, hospital administration for about 10 to 12 years, somewhere in that range. Um, uh, Had roles almost exclusively in strategic planning um, and business planning type of roles in academic health systems, cancer center and now Children's Hospital. Um, So I've gotten a number of different experiences, but all on the provider healthcare provider side. I'm originally from Kansas City. So while I've been been out here for a while, I'm originally from Kansas City and I'm still a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So excited to be here and excited to meet the rest of you.
0: Oh, it's so nice to have you on. Thank you very much. Judy, what about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and and maybe your backstory.
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Kelly. Uh, Judy Smith, and I am a co-founder and principal with a company called Smith Hager Bejo. We do women's and children's healthcare consulting, management consulting, facility planning. I am a native of North Carolina, so you'll hear a little bit of a twang every now and then live here in the Phoenix, greater Phoenix area, and have the, have had the privilege and a very long career um, with our firm uh, co-founded in 1995. I've completed about a thousand women and children's planning projects in uh, the U.S. and six countries, and uh, love to support people like Madeline and Megan and others to help them plan some of the best healthcare facilities and services in the world. Way cool. (laughs) I can't wait to dive in.
0: (laughs) I love having you on. I've gotten to know you personally and professionally working together, and it's an honor to have you today. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Megan, you're up. Welcome to the show. Thank
3: you for having me. Um, It's really exciting. Um, So my name is Megan Duffy. I work for DLR Group. I'm the Southwest Interiors Leader um, for that team. Have been in the valley since high school, but I grew up in Oklahoma and um, spent most of my summers in Arizona, so I feel sort of like a native and got into design um, right out of college and kind of worked my way through the system and i'm really excited um, I now lead a team for um, Colorado and for Arizona. And so, manage approximately 25 people on my team, and then also get to work on a lot of different projects, um, healthcare being one of them. So, I worked on a wide variety of healthcare projects in the valley and then also nationally within the firm. So,
0: really excited to be here. You can call yourself a native, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Really cool. Well, now you guys know why I invited all of you together, right? Everybody's uh, in healthcare. My family and I owned a medical practice, so I'm very familiar with the healthcare uh, industry. The, the last couple of years have had a crazy crazy for this industry, right? So what I'd like to do is starting with Madeline, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you a ringer a little bit, is um, in instead of going and, and into, we will get to it at some point, I know, about your, what your work and what you do, but I really like this to start out the conversation What with either what's your why, <laughs> talk about a deep question, I know, but What's your why? Why do you do what you do? What drives you every day uh, in life and business? It's uh, I just love knowing that about people, about humans. I think it connects us very, um, very nicely to each other. So Madeline, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, no, it is a big question, but I love this question um, because it's easy to answer when, when you work in such a, a mission-driven environment. I do work in a unique environment, but I've been in several different roles, as I mentioned, and always at organizations that where the mission was very clear and kind of my connection to helping patients and families was very clear. I work in this kind of nice sweet spot where I get to work for organizations that have people, not me, but people who can actually help people and help patients and families but I also get to work on the strategy and business side of that. So how do we make that all work? Um, so I love that intersection, you know, when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do and, and who I wanted to be, um, I always knew I kind of wanted, wanted to work um, in the strategy business world. Don't know if I knew what that meant, but um, I knew I had um, interests there, but also really wanted to help people and give back and um, in some ways kind of be a public servant. So this is a a nice marriage of those two things. And, um, you know, you mentioned the last couple of years, you're right, have been incredibly difficult um, for everyone and everyone who's working in the healthcare space, especially, and so being able to always, you know, of course we've had a lot going on and there's stress and all of that. And I also have two little kids. So, you know, trying to balance all of that, um, it's always so necessary for me to be able to fall back on but I'm doing this for such a great reason and for such a great purpose and having that mission-driven approach. So that's my why.
0: I love that. I love that. I have chills. <laughs> it is. It's really cool to be able to affect so many people on right the business side and the patient care side and the families that you can do on a, a very large scale working you know, in, in corporate, which I what they call a court. They don't call it corporate. See, I don't even, I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've always owned my own company, so I don't even know the the lingo.
2: <laughs> yeah. But working on the, um, I know what you mean on, I'm, you know, I'm a step removed, um, but can still support from that. Yeah. Business administrative side.
0: Yeah. It's a, you can make a big impact that way. I love that. All right, Judy, what, what's your why? <laughs>
1: Well, it actually kind of follows Madeline's a little bit because I worked in hospitals for about seven years. And then I decided I loved the business side of it. I really liked that. I had a knack for statistics and numbers and management, and I wanted to do that. And I was told I needed to get a master's degree. So after about seven years, I got a master's degree. I blended healthcare and business together, similar to what Madeline was saying. And it was the perfect blend. And I started working um, in a healthcare administration role. And so then, to take us to my company I've had for the last way, 1995, a long time, I got laid off. Our whole department was closed down in the 90s during a, a terrible time in the um, recession. And so we got laid off, and I decided that I was gonna go approach two other women and see if they wanted to start a company with me and do consulting. And what I loved, which was women and children's healthcare. So I did that and haven't looked back yet. Love it. I have been doing it since then and really like specializing in women and childrens. The thing I like most about it is really, um, again, helping hospitals make a difference in improving the environment and doing emerging things that are just, um, you know, things that are transforming, like crazy things like imagine having a a hospitalized mom who's just had a baby that needs high-risk care and having them stay in the same hospital room, which only 15 states in the country even have one hospital that does that. So I helped get out there and help them, the hospitals, make transformative change. And that's very rewarding.
0: Oh my gosh, if I would have been able to stay in the same room with my <laughs> NICU baby, I would have... Kissed you, <laughs> but that is that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge deal that you get to be on the front yeah. lines, right. you know, for that's really, really cool, all right, Megan, you're up, sure. Um, I love this question, too. I think, you know, we
3: spend ninety percent of our time indoors. I think that's the the statistic these days. and I think Covid has made that even more apparent how space influences our lives and it can be a positive or it can be a negative it can help support us in our daily tasks it can make make them more difficult um, it can provide healing environments and really help support um, those goals um, and so i think it's just space is amazing in terms of how it benefits our lives and so being able to devote our time my time specifically to making those spaces functional beautiful um, and places we want to be is just really powerful and can really transform a life and inspire people. And so, yeah, I have a great time doing that.
0: Yeah, it is. It makes a big. Do- that's that's a shocking number, isn't it? Ninety-five percent of times, especially in Arizona, when it's hotter than you know what outside. Totally.
2: <laughs> it's like I, didn't <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that stat. I was. You're making me think. Once we're after uh, the show, I need to. Get up from behind the computer and, and get out there.
0: Especially, you can right. And LA is better, better than it is here for sure. Uh, I think that's interesting with COVID the silver lining a little bit is family and be in your environment, environment matters and going, we went from traveling the world to traveling Arizona in our car by ourselves, you know, because we still (laughs) wanted to get out and go see things right is, is to you get to make your environment, you get to choose your environment and what a cool thing it is for you to get to help create these spaces for everybody else's environment to be when you're in a beautiful space, doesn't it make a huge difference? Or the feeling yeah. of the space definitely makes a a big difference. Really cool.
2: Loved hearing Megan and Judy what you do. Both of those things are just so important as you're thinking about children's hospitals um, and something that we're thinking about all the time because it really I, I keep saying patient and family because it's not just patient centered; it's patient family centered care when you're in a children's hospital, and so. The work that that you all do um, to help us with those types of spaces and making sure that certainly the patients feel comfortable and happy and um, you know as comfortable as they can be but also the the whole family because there's also there's so many different dynamics and Mm -hmm. and needs so the space um, healthcare is still very very much an in-person at -hmm. least in hospitals right it's very much an in-person activity and so the to the extent we can make those spaces work for everyone it's just so important
3: and i think with healthcare too the staff is almost as important as a patient in some aspects because completely yep. they need to be supported in a way because they're trying to support obviously patients and the family and so how can we create a really amazing environment that helps support everybody um you know because there's just tough situations that they have to deal with and so how can we make their jobs easier so they can spend the time to focus on the patient versus having to do all of the different activities, um, that they're required within their profession.
0: And the amount of time that we spend at work Mm -hmm. every, (laughs) every day, right. Don't we want to come to a a beautiful space, uh, or, you know, a comforting space or, uh, you know, something inviting. Yeah. That's really, really cool. All right. So why did you choose the industry that you're in? Why, why healthcare? I'll start with you, Madeline.
2: Just to add on, I mean, I was one of those um, kids, I guess, who thought maybe I wanted to be a doctor one day um, and didn't know what other jobs were possible. Um, you know, doctor, nurse, kind of end of list, right? Um, but there's there's so many opportunities in, in healthcare. So um, I think I, I just sort of had that as one of the possibilities. Um, and once I learned more about different opportunities in healthcare. That's even more why I chose this field because there were so many different, so many different things. So that's you're not asking this question, but that's actually um, I do a lot of work with with different programs, educational programs, and things, talking to kids even at the high school, middle school, and high school level about healthcare and opportunities that are available. Because I think it's very hard to know what you don't know, um, and There's just so many things. Whether it's you're somebody who actually wants to be on the clinical side of the world um, and caring for patients and families directly, or having one of the thousands of jobs like mine that are in IT or in other in strategy, in finance, in all of the other areas that are absolutely necessary for healthcare as well. So I I think just the there's the mission-driven part that I already went into, but there's also a big job opportunity uh, piece to healthcare as well. Um, And so that was definitely appealing to me and things that I'm trying to help educate others about different opportunities as well.
0: That's huge, huge career opportunities. People, you're right. I grew up in a family with a doctor and a, and a nurse for, you know, for parents and you, that you like, you, you know, you can be this. Well, luckily my, my parents said, you can be anything you want. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't say, you know, but people often ask me, why didn't you go into healthcare? Right. So that's why I always like knowing. And it's cool to, to have that many opportunities that you could have, you know, you could go into it from a business standpoint or a consulting standpoint, still own your own business, but you're impacting a
2: lot of lives through that. That's really cool. Judy, why wow. Doctor and nurse are still incredible options. I don't. I wasn't no. discounting those. Um, no, no. We definitely want. We definitely want people to still be interested in those. But, but yeah, there's so much.
0: There is so much. I have a lot of friends and family, you know, in the in healthcare, and there is so much opportunity for growth in so many different uh, aspects. So that's really cool. Judy, why healthcare?
1: well even this, some of the same reasons madeline said for why healthcare but even taking that down one more level use the word opportunity there's this huge opportunity to really improve women and children specifically healthcare when i started out in that there was a dearth of resources and funding terrible infant mortality rates in the united states we still have terrible maternal maternal mortality rates in the us it's one of the worst of the industrialized countries in the world and so Improving those environments, I saw that opportunity to do that in some small way to try and make a difference and that what that's what drew it drew me to it. It's almost like helping the underdogs, if you will, and so I really thought that uh, women and children's was where I wanted to focus. Mm, I love that yeah. <laughs> women women and children advocate
0: we need as many as we can get, right <laughs> Megan, what about you? Why, why healthcare? Well, you do a bunch of it, but what, what do you, right? You do a lot of industries. Um, but what do you, what, what's the draw to, to healthcare?
3: You know, I think for me, it's, it's complicated. It's like a puzzle. Um, there's a lot of parts and pieces. So, you know, there's like a hospitality component to it. There's more of like a resident side to it. There's, you know, the very technical side in terms of operating rooms and, clinics and those types of things. And so I think it just really stretches my brain in a way where I get to be creative, but I also get to be really technical. Um, There's a lot of coordination, there's a lot of standards. um, You know, there's a lot of innovation. You know, we're gonna see technology revolutionize what happens in healthcare, we already are, but you know, in 10 years, it's gonna look completely different than it probably does now. And so how do we plan for those things? Um, How do we create space that is a, a flexible and adaptable So there's just a lot of really cool things and challenges related to it that that make it a really fun industry to work in. And then the clients are amazing, you know, and then you're also doing something for, you know, the better, the better good of of people as well. So, I mean,
0: all around. I love the all around, puzzle. Kind of just amazing. <laughs> I love the puzzle analogy, right? I, I never get bored in my business because I'm always trying to figure out how these all go together and you know, massaging and and uh it's a different it's different every day, which I assume is for you guys. It's you know, every single day is different for you guys in in your
2: in your businesses. And I, I appreciate Megan that you were um, saying that you see the standards or the restrictions as something that actually makes it interesting. I know that really? that's something in healthcare that can be really frustrating as well. So that, that positive spin on it is really nice.
3: You know, I think sometimes the hardest clients are the ones that don't have standards or don't really know what they mm-hmm. want. Um, Cause there's so many directions you can go. So you can spend a lot of time within a project, um, you know, working through that context versus realizing an actual end product. And so you get a little bit farther away from helping people in that context because you're like, okay, let's get through some of this. Whereas when you work with organizations that are very you know, specific, then you get to focus on some of the more exciting things or hospita- hospitality or the environmental-based research or you know, working through how you can make their processes um, better or more efficient. And so there's a lot of components that we can measure that are really fun to explore when some of that stuff isn't doesn't have to be figured out on the table, I guess.
0: So. Yeah, that's really, really neat. All right. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about collaboration and the power of, of networking in healthcare and in any business, the more we can collaborate with each other, the more referral partners we have uh, and power partners, the, the easier, right. Our lives get the more people we have in our corner to help us. Uh, Who are your, power partners, referral partners, or, um, collaborative, like how do you work collaboratively with others? I'll start with you, Madeline. You don't have to name drop.
2: (laughs) I mean, more in general, because it's such a, yeah, no, it's such a long list. (laughs) Um, I think that's,
0: you know, it takes a lot to run a hospital, Um,
2: right? Especially, yeah, especially with being in such a big organization. Um, and being, so I'll, I'll talk specifically in my role um, with strategic planning and trying to um, anticipate what the, not only responding to what's going on today, but trying to anticipate what things are going to look like three, five, ten years in the future and to what extent do we want to influence that, to what extent are we going to respond to those trends and those changes. That's just a really cool part of my job, but we—I have to get outside of our organization and um, get input uh, from as many, I guess, people, organizations as possible to to help with that. So um, we work with, you know, uh, healthcare intelligence partners. We work with um, very capable consultants. <laughs> um, we also work with with other hospitals, not just children's hospitals, but other providers across the country. So. I actually think within the industry, some of the the most insightful things or new ideas or uh, things that we've gotten are really from being collaborative with other hospitals um, and other children's hospitals. Sometimes it's just to commiserate or hear each other out or, you know, be like, oh, good. It's not just us. You're all experiencing that, too. So that's that's one just nice to have. But. It's also um, and Judy and I have done a little bit of this uh, sharing best practices with other hospitals together where seeing what other how other hospitals have tackled space issues or or tackled access issues of how you know patient flow, all of those things um, are really helpful. it's It's really hard to start these things on your own. and so, um, knowing that others not only have had the same problem that you're trying to solve, but have tried a couple of things that have worked or not worked have been super helpful. So I there are a lot of spaces, obviously sometimes it gets tricky when you are in competition with other hospitals and can't share things, but for the most part, you're talking about how how to design spaces, how to think about operations and operational improvement how to think about the patient and family, all of none of that's competitive. all of that's just sharing um, best practices. and I feel like in our industry, most folks are really open to that. So it's a huge part of my job is making sure that we're doing that outreach outside of CHLA.
0: And having the collaboration to, and, and knowing, I mean, even our, even my small businesses, you know, even my clients that I work with and family owned businesses get outside of your own head, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's no reason to do this alone. We, well, you talked about having little kids, you know, people tell you when you have little kids, like it takes a village, it takes a village. <laughs> and I said that, I said at one of these conscious capitalism events lately, I said, you realize like we say that to the, to the parents, you know, it takes a village. Well, it takes a village to run a business to, you know, to, so we should continue to, you know, attract and, and ask and, and be a part of these communities to collaborate because there's no reason we should have to do it on our own.
2: Yeah. I think that's, I love that point, Kelly. And it's, I it's something that uh, I'm still learning, but you know, I've learned throughout my career, but I don't want to put a stop to it. I think hopefully I'll continue learning is, That admitting that you don't have the answer or asking for help um, are really important parts of the process. That is a big part of our job is to get other input and get get help from outside. So, yeah, I love that.
0: The faster you learn that, (laughs) the faster, the the easier your life gets, right? (laughs) That you don't have all the answers and to keep asking and keep asking for help. Right.
2: especially when it comes to parenting since you brought that up. so the analogy is just full circle.
0: <laughs> yes, we there is nothing that somebody hasn't been through so keep That's asking right. until you get the answer you're looking for or the help you need, right? Don't do not suffer this on your own. <laughs> parenting business any of it, right? <laughs>
1: Judy, what about So I think, um, well, Kelly, I have to say you're like the queen of collaboration and connection. (laughs) So they're pulling us all together and doing this for, what, three years now with this amazing um, vehicle that you have to do that. So thank you for that. And you're proof that collaboration and connection are really what makes entrepreneurial businesses work. And um, I do believe that um, having opportunities to get involved in networks and things for many decades now I've learned a lesson that you really have to pick and choose which ones you get involved in and how you act inside them. So finding the ones that are going to resonate with your interest, make a difference, going into those vulnerable and not being the one who knows it all, uh, taking the time to listen and learn. And then when you do speak, you know, have something meaningful to say. So over the years, I've kind of learned some of those lessons, sometimes the hard way. But, um, but I think it's, it's really, of all the things I do in my business, uh, that collaboration and giving freely of information. Any entrepreneurial group that is very private and protective and guarded with their information in this social media day and age is not going to make it. Um, you get back triple fold anything you share willingly with in your collaboration. And, and that's really something that um, I think is important for anybody starting out as an entrepreneurial or even in the health, you know, in the hospital side of it as well.
0: You have to. You have mm-hmm. to be open and be vulnerable mm-hmm. and be willing to, you know, share mm-hmm. what lessons learned and and it's and it's one of my favorite parts about this. You know, about doing this is is the sharing of information, share and collaborating with each other because we can all make a difference. And we talked about earlier before the show about pivotal moments, mm-hmm. right? We the things that we share, the things that we give advice for. Listening, all those things are pivotal moments in your life, right? In your in your business, and and it can make all the difference. Do you want to share your oh, pivotal moment okay.
1: story? <laughs> I, I will have to do this. So, in 1995, I was trying to think about this launching this new business with um, one of my uh, co-founders, and uh, we both were. We had degrees in health administration, master's. So we knew how to do a business plan and a strategic plan. So we pulled together a business plan for our um, venture we wanted to do, launching a consulting firm. And um, she knew somebody who knew somebody whose uh, husband was a financial um, guru, had Fortune 500 companies that he consulted with and all of this. So we went to him with our little business plan and we sent it to him and he called us into his office a few days later. We're sitting on the edge of our chair waiting for him to tell us that, you know, are you guys kidding? You know, what do you think? Who do you think you are? So we were sitting there and he looked at us and he said, are the two of you brain dead? You have to do this. You've got this. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, this man has confidence in us to launch this business. So by golly, we got to have confidence in ourselves. So we took that confidence, and confidence is such an important piece of, of launching of, uh, or anything, any project, anything you do, and we went out the door. And we've said this for, for years and years and years is that he has no idea what those words meant to us. Those words alone were what put us over the edge of starting our business. And you never know when you're talking with people people particularly entering the field or those that have even been there a long time, what that uh, connection, collaboration, insight, and just words can do for your career. And so I, I think that was a, you know, I hope that I can, you know, my goal is one day to do that for somebody else. I'm sure you already have. <laughs> I'm sure you already. We should just have a whole show on on uh, pivotal
0: moments, right? And and see how many how many people we can yep. reconnect with. You have to tell him. I that have to tell. T- I have to
1: tell. Um, Kelly, I said, Kelly, you made me think about this, and I haven't thought about this guy in years, except for a few years after that. He was doing a grassroots effort to get women's bobsledding back into the Olympics for for sixty years. Women were kept out of the bobsled, and the reason they were is because in 1940, this woman named Catherine um, beat all of the men in the U.S. bobsled. The next year, the powers that be said it was unsafe for women to be in bobsled, so never again for 60 years. So we did a great, he had, he got us in this grassroots effort to help do that, and in 2002. Uh, We had the first women's bobsled in the limits again in that long. So I have not since that year spoken or told him that his words were a pivotal point for me. And so my lesson learned today is I'm going to go reach out to this guy. I looked him up on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) The
0: power of LinkedIn, right? (laughs) Oh, I love those pivotal moments. So Megan, tell us your collaboration or how you use collaboration in your business. And then of course, throw in any pivotal moments you've had. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we collaborate on
3: the the hourly basis, just internally to get a project done, the amount of people that it takes. And then externally, Um, my favorite collaborations are always the one with the clients and, you know, trying to exceed their expectations you know you come in with a plan an idea and the goal is always to go yeah that's a great plan and that's a great idea but here's some other things that are going on with the industry and being able to share benchmarking and network them with other um companies and and hospitals or whatnot that are doing something similar or have elevated to the next level and then get those people talking and then um you know we have a couple clients who've connected and it's like now they're best friends and you're like those kinds of things are just always really exciting to see how you can connect people. Because I think ultimately, as as I get older, I just realize how small the world is, um, and we're all like six degrees of separation of somebody else. And so that's just really interesting and fascinating. I think in terms of um, business and and enjoying yourself, I think in business um, It's just the relationships that you build, right? And you never know where your next lead or your next you know project or connection is going to come from. So Um, it's kind of exciting pivotal moment is hard i think for me mine was like more of like a work life balance kind of thing there was a long time i think within my career just because i'm in a pretty male driven industry where i really struggled with like i want to be really good at my job but i but you know and and can i be good at my job and have a family um and what does that look like because i don't want to have to choose between the two there was a moment where you know i was talking to somebody and i realized like why am i why do i have to choose like why does it why does why can't i just do both why why does it feel like there's these restrictions i guess and so you know i do have a family now and i am more way more successful than i was when i was really struggling with that conversation and and it wasn't any one thing it was just like okay you know i'm willing to do this it's okay it's okay to be a to pursue your career and be a great mom.
0: I love that. And, and being vulnerable enough to have that conversation with that one person or many people in that yeah, time frame yeah. of your life to say, this feels weird and I feel guilty. And I feel, you know, because especially with the male dominated industry, it, it doesn't, you know, give you that room, right. To have, to feel like that, which we are hoping it, you know, the more we talk about it, the more it changes. <laughs> I know. Oh, I love that. What about leadership? You know, lessons learned in leadership, um, stuff you wished you would have known, just like you were talking about six degrees of separation. I wish somebody told me when I was a kid, hey, you better be nice to everybody because you never know right. who you're gonna, you know, who you're gonna get to work with in the future or, you know, have something happen because of that. I did learn that lesson, but it, it would have been nice to know that as a way younger. So now I tell my kids that be nice to everybody. So leadership styles, leadership lessons. We'll start with you, Madeline
2: yeah i think uh the phrase that comes to mind to, to use bu- buzzwords is leading through influence so uh, this has been true in all of my uh, all of my roles but in my current role too i have a a very small but mighty team um, in strategic planning uh, but we do work that uh, obviously we're working with leaders and team members that all all over the organization. I don't get to decide what our strategic plan is by myself. It's an um, incredibly inclusive process. Um, and to facilitate that and, and get that done is a lot of leading through influence and making sure everyone understands what we're trying to do and how important it is to get their input and, and not just get their input, but set them up for success to lead in different areas. And so that's just kind of a, key piece of my leadership style is how do you lead through influence and not just in a you know hierarchical way
0: i did learn that lesson too (laughs) we Um, did too we were talking about that before we're about about learning that all stakeholders matter right in in my younger days it was like the client always came first They were always treated the best and the customer service above all. We are, we called it the four seasons approach in, in our medical practice. And, and then, uh, you know, come to the realization that your team, right? Not your employees, not your staff, but your team is more valuable than your clients or just as valuable, right? They all should have an, an equal, uh, say in, in how mm-hmm. things go. So it's, it's definitely it was a hard lesson, but now okay. I have the best team okay. and, and everybody gets to do what they love. And if you don't like it, don't do it. Let's find somebody else to help with that. Who likes to do that? You know, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like, right. and let's all right. You know, life is too short. Let let's do what we love and, and outsource everything else. Of course, that's yep. my tagline, but
1: it yep. <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And I, I am um, along with that there's a a book that I think I read it in graduate school a long time ago but it's still relevant today and it's that servant leadership which is a similar buzzword I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it and I do believe it really is true I saw a thing um I've been involved with the Rotary International for a, a while and I think I saw something um recently on someone was saying is we don't all need to be the the light bulbs and the or the lamp We just need to be the switches that turn on the light. And I said, well, that's what I like to be. I want to be the switch that turns on the light. I want to make something, the idea. I want to make the idea theirs, not mine. And if I can accomplish that as a consultant for, to introduce something new and transformative and important, or even just, you know, something practical, and it becomes their idea, that is success. And that it shines, and it shines, yes, <laughs> and it's successful. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, what about leadership? Leadership style, uh, leadership
1: lessons in your life? Um, I think the in, the same thing happens um, with leadership. I think is applying that piece where you are the servant that really, as I think Madeline says, supports those who are really doing all of the work. And um, I, I think it's it's also leadership style where emotional intelligence, another buzzword or phrase, but that's so important today with people at different polarized views and places on this earth. um, We really have to be curious and really ask people what they think, even if we think they might have a different idea, asking the whys, asking asking how they think and not assuming. So I think I really admire the leaders and, and would tr- try to be one who is the leader who's curious, who asks why, and who wants to get into other people's minds and understand them, where they're coming from. Mm, I love that. And that's hard to do sometimes. It is hard to do. <laughs> it is
0: hard to do, but being open to share, just like Madeline was saying earlier, like being open to share your plan and here's why, we need to do, you know, this, this is what the point is like having, even in a small business, like sharing the why, sharing why I do what I do with my team and my clients. It's important because then they understand and they'll back you so much better, right? If they understand why you're doing what you're doing, how you need to get there, what's the point of it, right? Like what's the point of life, right?
2: (laughs) And how their work fits into that is so important, right? Here's here's where we're trying to go at the highest level, but how, how does the work that you're doing today or, or this month or this year fit into where we're trying to go, um, whether it's as an organization or as a team or, or whatever. So yeah, I think that is so important to bring people along and, and get um, everyone energized around the work you're doing.
1: I have to add one thing to that. Madeline and I have had the opportunity to be on some professional groups together, being in the children's hospital world in the same area. And um, both of us recently heard um, some very powerful words from uh, some physicians who talked about why they were in children's hospitals and what a sacred place it is. And went into that. And I'm telling you, at least I and I, Madeline probably too, we had tears in our eyes. It was so powerful. I would do anything for children's hospitals that had that kind of approach. And um, I mean, that just was so powerful. The why meant so much to us. It does. You'll, Mm -hmm, you'll walk
0: over, walk through mountains, you know, walk through fire for those people when, because you know, their end, you know, the end Mm -hmm. goal in mind. All right, Megan, you're up. Leadership styles, leadership lessons. I think my
3: biggest lesson learned is just creating allies within the industry and within your firm or corporation and that those just can be so helpful in getting you a where you want to go provide mentorship also helping you understand a complex problem or trying to traverse maybe a rocky road or work through the politics of an organization i think just having those allies in place are just life-changing right like you can never have enough and so i think that's really powerful and then I think being curious, like knowing what motivates your team, it's part of the psychology I think of also like what motivates your client, like what are their hot buttons? What gets them excited? What is their why? Like all those things are really helpful. It's hard to do. It's hard to pinpoint that for every individual, but when you can do that, I think that's where you see the culture of a team really excel and everybody's kind of running at their, you know, highest level.
0: The culture matters, right? Culture makes a huge difference in an organization. You want to go to work, you want to do things for your colleagues and your your team. If the culture is good, it makes a yeah. it makes a big difference. And sharing the, you know, having the good mm-hmm. culture and and knowing people's even it's funny. I, we've done recently is not just like a disc assessment, you know, or the assessments, but like what's your love language, mm-hmm. like what what are your core values for your team members. We've been doing that recently with clients. And it opens their eyes. Like I never even thought about what my team's core values. Like no wonder they say, oh, like it's so eye opening, you know? And or with your kids, right? Or or any of that. Like have you ever, you know, done, taken the assessment with your team for love languages or, or core values? I'm telling you, it's mind-blowing. Love language, really. Yeah. That's, that's
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah,
0: because you think you're like, you yeah. know, giving them kudos or, you know, doing the thing that you're, you're like, I love you and I, you know, I need you and all these things. And, but what if it's the completely, that they're like, oh. okay, yeah, she's nice, but that's not like,
1: <laughs> that's not filling my love cup. That's a great idea. I mean, that, that really is something I've never really considered, but that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. It makes a big difference in all relationships, (laughs) especially with your kids. We have something with our, oh, sorry, Madeline. No,
2: no, no. Go ahead.
3: Um, we have something with our company that's like insights discovery and it's like your communication style. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that is because we're collaborating all the time and everybody communicates differently, kind of understanding what your um, co-workers and colleagues, you know, communication style is. But then also, we do it a lot with our clients, too, especially when we know it's going to be a really long, drawn-out um, project. Just like, how do, how do you like to communicate? How does How is this going to work? And so, if I come at you and I'm very direct, And you're, you know, you want to be involved or whatever your language is in terms of that. It's been so helpful because you're just coming at a place of understanding, right? Like everything we do is about communication and um, sometimes we do it well and sometimes not so well. So when you kind of have that as a a grounding base, it can can be changing.
1: So Megan, have you done your love language exercise? (laughs) I have no idea what mine is. I I actually have done mine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That is great. That is great. Communication styles. um, We have a client that uh, is a behavioral master, you know, Mm -hmm. like behavioral superpowers, Mm -hmm. right? How do you behave as a human being Mm -hmm. makes a difference, right? Not just how you communicate, how you love, how you behave. The more we can learn about each other and what fills us up. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, like, keep giving it to me, right? Let me, (laughs) I want you to know how much I care about you. But if you, if I don't know how to communicate with you to tell you that... Yeah, exactly.
2: Kelly, you mentioned culture and I was um Megan you started to answer this but I was going to ask you and Judy since you have the experience of kind of going into a lot of different organizations or having different clients how you how you if you have any I don't know tips on how you adapt to the cultures of different organizations because obviously I'm you know exist in mine but I know that every organization is so different and on maybe even a daily or weekly basis, you're interacting with with lots of different people.
0: Great question. Megan,
3: What what do you think? Well, I think when we first start to work with a client, the most important thing that we like to do is like what we call a visioning session. So we get all the stakeholders in a room within a company because sometimes they aren't communicating with each other. They've communicated to us individually, but not as a group. And so getting everybody on the same page so that we can understand what's going on And there's so much that plays into that. Some of it's body language, some of it's what's said, some of it's actually what's not said. Sometimes dislikes can be more helpful than likes um, or what's not working can be more helpful than what's actually working because that actually helps us create the context to solve a problem. And really learning what the culture is and then also bringing in, hey, we've worked with a client that was similar to this, had a similar culture. Now that we start to understand and have a basis of knowledge for that, and then bring in things that worked for them. And, you know, some of it's a little bit of a hit or miss and some of it's like, no, I think this is really going to be successful. So honestly, it's just getting to know people and um, the motivation behind that, and then helping strategize ways that we can help solve problems within that context.
1: Now, I would agree the visioning and also the individual interviews and the group interviews, that always is very important to get sort of a lay of the land. I also do this little mental thing where I as I'm doing that, I do the readiness assessment. Are they, is this group ready on a scale of one to 10 to do what they say they're going to do in their vision? And I have had times where I've had to be, you know, very candid and say, you know, guys, I really would like to recommend that you do this, this, and this before you get to there, because your staff's not ready. They're going to, you know, they they can't plow into this tomorrow and get this thing going um, until they, understand it they go on site visits they do this they do that they need to get up to speed otherwise it's going to be a sabotage um, because they're not ready so I think it's very important to understand the readiness of the culture as a whole piece of that and you can only do it by things that that Megan just mentioned is you know interviews visioning group sessions and body language and um, and (laughs) listening listening to people in the hallway getting the inside scoop when you happen to walk by a staff person and ask them what they think so those are the kinds of things, the the obvious intel- intelligence and then the subtle intelligence. Mm.
0: And getting all the stakeholders in, involved, right? And understanding that. And like mm-hmm. you said, get them ready, mm-hmm. prepare yeah, them, right. get them buying in right. to your idea before you just go, guess what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> guess what we're going to do?
3: <laughs> well, sometimes it's pushing them too. Because usually at the end of the visioning session, there's like a set of goals that everybody has agreed upon that this is what we're going to achieve as a team and so there are some points and I'm sure um Judy's had this where you're like okay time out you guys are not anywhere close (laughs) to hitting the goals that you have said you want to hit if you want to hit them, we need to move the bar much farther much faster and here's some tools and and resources to help you do that, but at, sometimes those are tough conversations because right. you're like, or we need to reassess the goals because they're not, we're not going to hit them in any capacity at the rate that we're going.
1: Right, so. and then then the executive like Madeline has to go in and
2: make it all happen. <laughs>
0: uh oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Here I you was going to say, Megan, you have to you have to know if your client is okay even having that com- that frank of a conversation. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many communication styles. Um, Yes. culture around how decisions get made formally versus informally all of that. Um, so yeah, it's just very interesting to me to hear and Judy, I love that little readiness check that that you have, I mean, I, I think just going in to different organizations all the time just must be very interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Speaking of culture and brand, uh, I'd love to hear your culture, your, you can be your personal, your personal brand or your company culture. Uh, it's nice to hear the values that we're bringing right as an organization or as a human (laughs) into the world. Uh, Madeline, can you give us a little background on your personal brand or your company culture?
2: Sure. I can do both, I, hopefully they align nicely. Um, I was gonna mention, as we were talking about different assessments, um, I can't remember what this one is called, but it, it was something around kind of core values or core you know, personality traits um, I did as part of a leadership development program. And the number one that came up for me after I took this test was love. And I was so surprised, but it wasn't the love language. And then now I have to go do love languages. Me to too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> how to express it, I was very surprised by it because I'm somebody that it takes a while for me to feel comfortable in a new group of people or in a new situation. And um, I also sort of grew you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a pretty traditional, at least in a professional setting, like that's not something that you would bring to the table, right, at least not overtly or, or explicitly. And so I actually talked to my my team about it and they've none of them were surprised they all were like yeah that just makes perfect sense for you and I, so it was which was wonderful i'm glad it wasn't a surprise to them it was to me but um that that's you know i really care about the work that i do i really care about the people that i work with especially those who are working for me you know and we're spending all of our uh, a good portion of our lives kind of dedicated to this work so Um, I'm glad that that comes through and it's been eye-opening to me to have me be more aware of it, you know, consciously aware of it and um, making sure that that comes out in the form of, you know, gratitude and dedication to the, to the work that I do. I've already talked about kind of the mission driven approach to Children's Hospital. And I think that my, my core values align with that really nicely with that culture and brand as well.
0: It, it, uh, makes a way better, uh, balance, right. Being at work away from, you know, away from your family to have that alignment makes so much of a difference in your day. You feel like, I always feel like I'm not really, am I working? Is this work, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to, because it aligns so closely, uh, you know, in the work that I do. So that's really cool that you've found you know a company that
2: that is so aligned
0: with your personal core values
2: and our um sorry to add in one more thing i keep saying mission driven our actual mission statement is to create hope and build healthier futures which is just one of those things whereas when i was um interviewing and that kind of like there's just nothing more inspiring to me than that like oh that's what i'm you know no matter what i'm doing all day every day it's falling back on that or in support of that and I think that is uh, something that really drives um, everyone who works there. So mm,
0: really cool. Judy, what about you? Personal brand or
1: I values? Guess, yeah, I guess it would be personal brand. things that people say about me that I believe too, that um, passion, I'm very passionate about what I do with the women and children's, and I really do believe um, you know, in a small way, making a difference is is what it's all about. So passion. Um, I feel like I'm a pretty confident at this stage of my career. I've, um, confidence would be something people would say about me as part of my brand, as well as a continuous learner. I would say that, you know, all those things are cliches kind of, and, but if you live it and you breathe it and you really, um, show it in your actions, I think that's when I, I see that I, if I reflect back. You know, I, I look and say, okay, yes, I really am passionate about that. And here's the four reasons why. It's not just talk. It's not, not just my vision on paper. It's something that I live by every day, and it's so easy. And I would say that's that's my brand. What I want to be is I want to be more vulnerable. And that's something I know is a, is also something important these days is to and, – and reflective. Those are the, Those are the things I'm working on to put into my brand that aren't quite there yet.
0: Oh, I love that. Megan, what about you? Company, brand, company, values, um, or personal? brand.
3: Well, I love DLR Group's taglines for a lot of different reasons. One of them is elevate the human experience, which I think is a perfect description of what I love to do is, and it incorporates the human on every level. I also love that just our internal cultural brand, it's like everyone has a design voice. And I love that because our clients have a design voice. My daughter has a design voice. I have a design. Like, and so how you empower people within that context. Um, we have seven different values. And my favorite ones, and I love that these are on our company's list, but fun, teamwork, collaboration, and sharing. Because like, I couldn't do my job on a daily basis if those weren't incorporated. Um, and I always try and remind the team, like, are we having fun? <laughs> Is this fun? <laughs> what are we doing to make this more fun? Um, because I think that that does drive us in our experience. And if you're having fun, you're going to be more confident. You're going to be more creative. Um, you're probably going to push the limits and you're going to encourage others to do that. So I'd like to think I'm fun. I think I have better days than others. But the I feel like all of that kind of embodies who I am. And I think that's why I've I've been at DLR Group so long
0: and have enjoyed just working through the process here. So.
1: helping make this fun
0: today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, life is too short not to have fun, not to laugh, not to be happy and to smile and to continue that work, you know, in, in being reflective and seeing Mm -hmm. that the amount of success that you've had and, uh, and, connections and collaborations and all that is is really really important can you believe we've been talking for almost an hour already so much fun <laughs> <laughs> it goes so fast uh, so I'll have you answer one last question and then tell everybody how they can reach you or your organization is what's next what's next for you or for your company uh, Madeline I'll start with you
2: Wow, Uh, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing um, in terms of um, providing world class care to to children and their families um, and just continuing to increase access um, so that all kids in in LA County and beyond can get CHLA level care and how to reach me is that next. That's next. Um, our, the website is chla.org. And then me personally, um, you can reach me through my LinkedIn profile.
0: And spell your name for us. <laughs>
2: my name is Madeline Frederick. M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E-F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K.
0: There you go. It's good. Good, good. All right. What's next for you? Uh, Well,
1: for me, I've just um, started facilitating uh, something that's new that's launched that I hope to take into for the next few years, and it's called the Pediatric Environment Network, and it's the top children's hospitals in the country, many of them, and the facilities, environment leaders, as long as some architects and interior designers and engineers and other industry, and we're trying to exchange information, make it a network where it's safe for us to advance the whole environment, and I'm doing this with the Center for Health Design, which is a, a non-profit organization, one of the big design organizations in the country. So that's what I'm doing next is a, a really exciting thing, and in terms of reaching me, I'm proud to say I have a new website. Thank you, Kelly, um, and uh, and you can reach that at, uh, I guess we have several ways to reach it now, but it's uh, Smith. It's www.smith.com hyphen hager hyphen or you can google women's consultants and hopefully my search engine is better now thanks to some help from uh from kelly and her crew so uh, it's uh judy smith smith hager Bejo. thank you so much i loved having you on megan what about you
0: just working with amazing clients and hopefully delivering amazing projects
3: you know that are really exemplifying innovation and creativity And then you can reach um, me at www.dlrgroup.com or on LinkedIn, it's Megan Duffy, M-E-G-A-N. And yeah, happy to help anybody with any design needs.
0: (laughs) That's so nice. Well, I loved connecting all of you together and sharing, being vulnerable and sharing our whys and sharing everything. I appreciate
1: all of you being on today. Well, thank Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. And uh, it's great to connect with everyone. And this is only the beginning.